Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeJoria, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, it's regular guy, funny car hero Terry Haddock and Scott Woodruff, the director of motorsports for Jigs. Eric Anders is your 2020 Pro Stock World Champion in stunning fashion. We're talking about Terry's big weekend in Epic. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polachek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher. Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. 28 10,000s at the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Loans. And today, a couple of varied guests. We have Terry Haddock hitting leadoff on the show today. And it will be Scott Woody Woodruff of JEGS, the Director of Media and Motorsports, to talk about the JEGS All-Stars, JEGS Sports Nationals, and really Jeg's involvement in motorsports as a whole. It's an interesting company. He has a great history with it, and it's going to be fun to investigate all of those things when we get to talking to Woody. Obviously, we're talking to Terry Haddock because of the great weekend he had at the TaskAparts.com NHRA New England Nationals presented by Bandero Tequila, which happened last weekend. Terry advancing to the semifinal round in Nitro Funny Car for the first time in his career, doing so with a dramatic first-round victory over Ron Capps and moving ahead through Sunday ultimately keeping John Forrest very honest in the semifinal round before bowing out. So we're going to talk to Terry about his drive to succeed, his will to compete, and his weekend at Epping as well as his program and just a whole bunch of different aspects of Terry Haddock's racing life, which a uh, very interesting guy, a regular guy, funny car hero, as I described him at the opening of the show, because that's really what he is and um, certainly serves as an inspiration to a lot of people out there who dream about doing it. Terry is doing it, and it is the hard way, but he's out there doing it. When we talk about the New England Nationals, we have to talk about a bunch of different things, including the pro stock category, where Aaron Stanfield beat Greg Anderson in the final. It seemed once again that Greg was destined for win number 97, and he was just a little short. He had a reaction time that was uncharacteristically off the pace. Aaron Stanfield did not. And while Stanfield did not beat him on a whole shot, uh, the distance, the the margin of victory, was a lot wider than it would have been otherwise at the finish line. They ran with it about a thou of each other, elapsed time-wise, but Aaron had a significant starting line advantage and used that to pilot his car down for the win. Weather was weird on Friday, as evidenced by the fact that basically three or four cars total got down the racetrack. Even Pro Stock was struggling on Friday. It was a day of no sunshine from morning until evening, and frankly, that led to a, a racing surface that was very cold, Then we had ambient air temperatures that were in the high 50s, and it was just basically like trying to drag race on the moon. There was no data to support anything that anybody was doing except for Justin Ashley or uh, Billy Torrance. Um, A couple of handful of cars that did go down the racetrack took full advantage, but it was uh, thin pickings on Friday evening. Of course, by the time we got to Saturday, the weather was absolutely perfect and great. Saturday was a fantastic day. Big crowds at New England Dragway on Saturday and Sunday. It was great to see the place busting at the seams with people. Certainly great to see all the action on the racetrack. Yes, the car counts were thin as, uh, you know, uh, geographically, it's a tough place to get to and from. And without having the race in Virginia, that kind of would have been the lead-in to get people to the East Coast. It really did leave New England Dragway out on an island. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and say, man, it was great we had 12 cars or 13 cars. But what I will say is that it made it very interesting in the first round where there was really nowhere to hide because of the fact that 
Everyone you were going to race was basically a full-time touring professional with a couple notable exceptions. Of course, we had the Nor'easter car there. We had Joe Morrison there. We did have some of the part-timers out, but for the most part, in both categories, you were seeing the cream of the crop and the cars that will be contesting for your world championship when we get to the countdown later in the year. So, no, it was not great to have less than 16 cars in Nitro Funny Car and Top Fuel, but it certainly made a compelling set of storylines when we got the day started where you knew that every matchup was going to be a big one. Of course, Terry Haddock provided the biggest dramatic upset of the day, that first-round defeat of Ron Caps. Ron having problems in the car, throwing sparks out. It was on fire. Maybe you've seen his social media post. It really did a number on his fire suit, and it burned through you know what appeared to be several layers of his Napa suit. His gloves were scorched, so it was definitely a uh, suboptimal scene, let's call it, inside the cockpit of that race car. The next event we're going to is the Summit Racing Equipment Nationals at Summit Racing Equipment Motorsports Park in Norwalk, Ohio. The car counts are very good there. We have a bumper crop of funny cars and top fuelers and pro stocks. We have pro modifieds at that race. Really, the Norwalk Summit Racing Equipment Nationals um, are basically a mini Indy, and they're really not that much more mini than regular Indy. Uh, We see basically every single category in the NHRA lineup. And from what I have been told, from what I am hearing, from what the rumor mill says, and from what the little bit better than the rumor mill says, um, the tickets are flying off the shelf. The the, the amount of people that have uh, purchased tickets in the last few weeks is astronomical. So, uh, you know, Norwalk is one of the largest drag strips seating capacity-wide in the country, certainly one of the largest seating capacity strips that we go to, and it will be pretty fantastic when we get there, and that place is basically like epping in some respect where there is just people almost spilling out of the grandstands they love their drag racing in ohio they certainly love the experience of being at norwalk and we plan on highlighting a lot of that experience as part of our nhra on fox broadcasts this coming up race just like we had last weekend will be on the fox broadcast network so we'll have qualifying on fs1 and then our race day show will be on the broadcast network which will make it very fun We get the Pro Stock Motorcycles back for the first time in about five weeks or six weeks, something like that. We'll find out who has found horsepower. We'll find out who has gotten faster. We'll find out if the four-valve Suzukis are still the hot ticket, but we'll definitely figure out who will be kind of establishing themselves as a very high-level points leader and or contender for a championship. Matt Smith currently leads Pro Stock Motorcycle by about 60 points. Fairly slim margin there. Steve Johnson winning the last of our Pro Stock Motorcycle contests when we race the bikes in Charlotte. We'll find out if he can come back and continue the momentum that he's building with the hard work in his program. As this is an off-race week, don't have a whole lot of other breaking news to talk about here. Uh, Josh Hart signed a new sponsor, or I should say increased a sponsor that he had already had, the BuyMetalBuildingsDirect.com sponsorship will now occupy the majority of the flanks of his top fuel car. Josh has opened a larger facility for his Bernie Speed Shop business, uh, more than two acres under one roof, and he talks about the fact that they sell seven to ten killer classic awesome cars a week out of that business now, and it's uh, really going well for him in Ocala, Florida. So uh, Josh Hart is a guy who I believe down the road has designs of running as much of the Camping World Drag Racing Series tour as he can but he's going to do it in a measured and smart way and kind of do what we have seen other teams do. The Justin Ashley's of the world run partial seasons until you're able to work your way into a sponsorship level, a sponsorship program that allows you to run the full tour. John Force Racing uh, is a story that we need to mention right now too because of the fact that they are 
uh, absolutely and unequivocally back at it because this is a, a team that has not only uh, been good in Nitro Funny Car, it has been dominating in Nitro Funny Car. Now they have back-to-back victories with the fact that Robert and John have uh, picked them up back-to-back. We know that John's been to multiple finals, Robert's been to multiple finals, and uh, it, it is very tough to say that John Force is not a championship contender right now. He clearly is. And Bob Task is still hanging on to the number one uh, points position. Uh, the trend is not in his favor. That lead has shrunk significantly. Obviously, he went way up on everybody, winning two races in a row. But uh, having now fallen short a couple of times, that points lead has shrunk down, and the John Forrest Racing contingent is coming after him uh, with header flames up. We'll find out how that all looks and how that all works in Norwalk. Obviously, Norwalk's a place that Bob Tasker III really likes, as he uh, won there a couple of years ago, and he'd like to get back and do it. It's just fantastic to be going back to Norwalk, and I'm going to spend more time talking about this particular subject next week, but it is America's racetrack, and us going back there, and uh, if all the indicators are correct, having just a monster crowd is symbolically very cool for the sport, symbolically very cool for where our country is in terms of bounding back from what was a miserable 2020, and just can't wait for it to get here. One of the guys who will be competing there, of course, is none other than Terry Haddock, the Nitro Funny Car Racer, the regular guy, Nitro Funny Car Hero, is going to be our first guest here in the NHRA Insider Podcast. Terry Haddock, how you doing, man? I'm good today. How are you, sir? Doing really well. Uh, dude, that was pretty wild last weekend, right? It was an amazing weekend for us <laughs> and our team. We had so much fun. <laughs> it was, um, and I want to go through the whole thing, but man, it was it was really neat how the whole thing worked out. And obviously, you know, car counts being what they were set up a, a situation that you, you had a second round by. It was, uh, the whole situation was really kind of amazing. I want to talk a little bit about the race car coming into this weekend and this season because the thing has been as consistent as maybe as I've ever seen it so far in 2021. You know, it's, uh, I'm not sure how, how the right way to say all that. Um, for, for years, I tuned my own cars, and then Johnny West came to help me for a while, and I, and I learned a lot more about organization and, and, and stuff like that with Johnny. And then I, um, I had Jimbo helping me for a while up until the beginning of this year, and now I'm, I'm back to, to running the car on my own, so I put it back to everything I know. And since I've done that, the cars just come around. I'm not even sure why. It's just doing a lot better, and we're real pleased with it. And let's talk a little bit about that, because when you talk about, you know, making the tuning calls on the race car, you're making those calls. But the reality is, on a race to race basis, you you do not have the same group of people, all the same group of people working on this car race to race, correct? Um, For the most part, we have a a, a key group of people that's on this car at every race. And then at every race we get, you know. As you, as you do this all these years, you meet people all over the country. So when you're in different areas, different groups of guys come help you. They're still familiar with your program, but it's not always the same whole group. Um, we, we'd like to actually have some more regular people. It's just hard to, to afford them. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the things that uh, – one of the reasons why people – really gravitate towards you, Terry, and one of the reasons why people, you know, love you as an underdog favorite is the fact that, just like you've been talking about here moments ago about finding the right people around the country, you have figured out ways to do this, ways that other people probably haven't even considered figuring out how to do this yet, (laughs) and whether it's developing this network of people you can make a phone call to and have them out at the racetrack, people that you trust and and can do the best job uh, possible for the weekend, or or how you're getting your stuff race to race. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is a lot of value in having to figure it out isn't there 
there is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I guess the word is, is blessed that so many people help me and believe in what we're doing. And o- over the years, everywhere we go, we meet good people and you build these relationships and, and, you know, the core group of guys that works on the cars there every week. What, what most people don't know is we run both of those cars with the same core group of people. So it's, it's, it's a giant challenge to keep both cars running safe, you know, nothing falling off of nothing stupid happening. Yeah, and that it's it's a monumental challenge because uh, especially when you got to have them both ready for qualifying rounds, and and then you get into a Sunday, and if you're putting the if 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 by the grace of God both of them move ahead around, it's going to be a mad thrash. <laughs> yes, yes, sir, it is. <laughs> you know, we're we're careful on how we do things, and and what we usually try to do is make it where the dragster makes one run to get qualified, and hopefully it gets done, and then we try to make two runs with the funny car because. Obviously, I do the dragster to generate a little bit of the, the cash flow to yes. keep my car running. I, I do this because I want to drive funny cars. It's probably not the best business model, but we've managed to make it work. You have made it work, and you've made it work, and you've given people the opportunity to do something that they've dreamed about, whether we're talking about Buddy Hull, who's been in the seat, uh, whether we're talking about Cameron Foray, Todd Payton's been in there occasionally. Um I'm interested in that aspect of what you do as well, because for several of these drivers, specifically when we're talking about Cameron Frey and Buddy Hull, um, you not only gave an opportunity to get in the seat, it was also you basically coaching them on how to properly drive the car. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if if you look back, there's a, a fairly long list of people that I've taught to drive and put through our car. I, I tease that it's a school car and or, or, or like a taxi cab, but that's what I use it for <laughs> is to teach people to give them an opportunity but i try to do it where i don't sell an opportunity with so much responsibility that i can't do my own thing because in the end i do this because i want to run funny car and i haven't figured out how to find a big sponsor and to do all this and i love teaching people i found along the way that i'm actually pretty good at it you you know what i mean and each person i find a way to teach them and and like buddy right now is doing a, a great job in the car he does everything i ask of him and it's actually we owe a bit of a thanks to Buddy because we wouldn't have, we weren't going to Epping because I couldn't afford to, and then Buddy found a little bit of a sponsorship and he said he'll drive the truck and trailer. So then okay we're going Epping you know, but it's it's getting tougher race to race the way the economy is and the way the world is and how the prices of everything's gone up so much that I mean we want to be at all of them but sometimes that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, and that's a critical decision making in, in your operation and the situation you're in is is making sure you pick your spots. And obviously, like you said, you want you want to be at every single race, like every guy that, that drives funny cars wants to be. But ultimately, you can't put yourself in so deep a hole by by trying to force yourself to an event that financially you shouldn't be at. That's going to be a kind of a tough balancing act to follow. It, it, it's a tough act, and it's also tough because you don't want to compromise anything on the cars to where parts can fail because it, it's real easy it, it's real easy to go and have I should say it's easy to have a good weekend we had a phenomenal weekend it's real easy to look stupid out there on any given weekend and you lose all the respect or the, the, the forward progress you made from one good weekend by doing something stupid because you want to be there so bad yeah that's, so it, that's... it is a, a balancing act yeah, and, and and I'm sure over over the course of your career, that's a lesson you probably learned the hard way. Like so many people in the sport of drag racing, uh, myself included, sometimes these are lessons that you get beat over the head with before you realize, okay, I gotta I gotta take a different approach here. Well, you know, I, I've done every dumb thing you can think of, and probably a <laughs> lot that you can't to keep doing this because 
you know, I, I never give up. I've never learned to quit. And, and sometimes you probably should, and I just don't. I push on. But it's uh, the way I look at it now is, you know, we're, we haven't reached the success we want yet, but I got to figure that I'm closer to the front of the line than I am to the back. And if I quit tomorrow and stayed home on the couch, it'll never happen. That's, you know, uh, so, that's an absolute fact. So, so I, I push hard and we work hard and we, you know, every day we're trying to think of ways to keep the thing going. Um, it, it's amazing to end that weekend in the top 10. It's something that I've wanted for a long time. I don't know how hard it'll be to stay there, but we're just going to keep trying and trying because it would be a, a great achievement for my team to get a top 10 finish. Oh, it'd be incredible. And you know this, you've been around long enough to know this. You had great success in the IHRA side of the, of the drag racing world as well. And the, the fact is, like, when small successes in drag racing, to me anyway, tend to lead to larger successes. You know, when you when you start to get a little bit of wind in your sails, you can turn that into you can turn that into something special. Whether it was going a couple of rounds down at the four wide, going three rounds uh, at Epping. I mean, these are these are accomplishments that all kind of build to some forward momentum. Well, you know, it, it's amazing how a little bit of success, if you do the right thing, but it can set the tone. The year I won the IHRA championship, it, it, we, we found a point where it was like it was magic, where everybody worked so well together, and the next thing you know, you win one round, and then it's two rounds, and then it's three rounds, and then you win a race. And I know it can happen because I've seen it before. And my team is doing amazing when you can look at it's It's a group of volunteers yep. that work together. They all work regular jobs, and then we show up and we service these cars, and you know, we go out and I think we represent the sport in a good light for what we have. Or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, because if you put us next to a Schumacher team, the resources are so different. But on Sunday morning on the starting line, there was only one Ron Caps and one Terry Haddock, and we made a race of it, you know? Yep. And, and yeah. it, the fans get a great show out of that. Oh, and the place went berserk. I mean, nobody nobody showed up there, you know, rooting against Ron Caps uh, in the first round. But when you went down there and turned the wind light on, the place went absolutely bananas. Well, we, we, we were over the moon as well. And what was crazy, and I don't know if you even realize it, my car shut off before the finish line and knocked the belt off of it. We saw that when we watched the when we we ran a replay on the show and we we could see it then that the thing was the thing had quit running and it was and it was like you had enough momentum to coast. <laughs> It, it was so close that I couldn't tell if I won because I could see him out there. You know what I mean? But I couldn't. I couldn't tell. I thought I was in front of him still, but I couldn't tell. We we <laughs> were getting ready to go to commercial. You had popped up out of the car. They pushed you off the racetrack. You had popped up out of the car and you spun around and you're asking the guys behind the car, "Did I win? Did I win?" And then you were kind of looking up the racetrack and we were getting ready to go to commercial. But we sat there for probably an extra five to eight seconds waiting, and then you got the word and you reacted. And it was that was that was super cool. It sure was. It was uh, it was an amazing day, you know. And then when we went up for second round, we didn't want to not run the car, but we had to make it a business decision. And, you know, to, to go out and run the car and chance hurting it to where we couldn't fix it for the next run we wanted. So basically what we decided to do was take the green, as the rule book says I have to do, to be able to go yeah. to the next round. And then, you know, we... We took the car back to the pits and we, you know, double and triple checked everything because we wanted to make a race of it against force. I would have loved to have ran it down there on that run, but it probably wasn't the best business decision. No, it wasn't. And we and we literally explained that on the show when we when you when you came up, you staged the race car. We explained exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I mean, 
anybody at home watching that would have to be just a moron to to not think that you were doing the right thing there. Because if God forbid, if it goes down and throws eight rods out of it, you're you're in a world of hurt, and and you've and you've you know you've erased this nice progress that you made. So yeah, no, that was the easily well, the best decision. I, I was grateful too that they let us you know let me have an interview so I could say sorry to the fans because a lot of times people don't know what you're doing, and I. Obviously, I know the people were, were lucky that people spend their hard-earned money to come out and watch a drag race, and they're there for a show, and we wanted to give them that. But at the same time, I wasn't going to go out and hurt it or, or do something stupid to, to screw up the progress we've made. And really, one of the greatest moments of the weekend came off the racetrack. You you win first round. You advance the car, and then Forrest comes looking for you in your pit area, and he's getting ready to walk in the trailer. And either you did or one of the crew guys yelled, hey, well, he's under the car. And Forrest kind of bent down over and was talking to you for a minute. I thought that was fantastic. That was awesome. You know, John has been awesome through my whole career. He's, you know, he's the reason I drive funny cars. When I was a kid watching him, you never knew what crazy thing he was going to say next or what he was going to do. And he just made me love funny cars. So as over the years, I drove him nuts to the point where we became friends and he's helped me a lot. You know, not everybody knows it, but we have one of John's cars that I run, and 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 they try to teach us stuff when we get in trouble. And I mean, it's the we and and also the Schumacher teams also try to help us. I mean, the NHRA is an amazing thing with the teams that try to teach and help. And you know, the Tasca bunch always tries to help us. I mean, it's this things we couldn't do what we do without all the support we get from other teams. No, and that's a like you said, it's a very it's it's quiet sometimes when that stuff happens, but it's certainly awesome that it does happen. And and it's one of those things where I almost love the fact that it's kind of quiet, that nobody's beating on their chest like, oh, we wouldn't help those guys. We did this. It's just like, hey, if somebody swings by the trailer or shoots you a note or whatever, and you can have a conversation that helps move move your program ahead or helps you guys do something a little bit better than you were doing it before, that's uh, a win for everybody. So yeah. go for it. Oh, I just I appreciate all the support from the other teams and and what they try to teach us. You know, everybody always says, "Oh, well, can't you go over and ask Force or somebody?" You know, one of the big teams for a tune-up. Well, that's not the kind of help they give us, nor do we want because I can't afford to run like those guys. But but the knowledge that they give us on how things work or how to make something work better goes a long way. But if they just came over and put a, a 380 tune-up in your car, there'd probably be nothing left because <laughs> my budget can't, you know, we, we can't afford the maintenance at that level. So our form of racing is a little different. I have to look to survive to go to the next race. They only have to go one round at a time. You know, one of the one of the folks that's uh, supportive of your program, Chip Lofton at, at strutmasters.com, and and he is he has said when he got involved in this sport that he likes to be involved with with teams that he knows he can have a positive effect with. And and Chip was on the starting line as he always is uh, during first round, second round, and third round uh, at Epping behind your race car, and I, I he might have been happier than you. I mean, the dude, the guy had a smile of, of three feet wide up there. All kinds of pictures, and to see Chip that happy is great. Chip is a, a wonderful person. He does so much for for the sport and for people. And one of the neatest things that I like about Chip is Chip likes to help people that are willing to help themselves. Yeah, Chip will never just give you anything. He teaches you how to earn it, and that's you know, we, we, he's he's like that grandpa that everybody's got. That if you listen, you can always learn something when you're around him. That's <laughs> yeah. Chip. And if you're smart enough to listen, you'll always come away with something bigger than what, what you think. You know, but a lot of times people don't, they're so in the moment that they don't listen. You know, but I, I really appreciate Chip. He's, he's been great for us. What, uh, what do you attribute 
your tenacity to because I'm going to be honest with you. There, I I could make a I, could, I cannot make a list of people that I can think of in my own life or even in racing that I've known that would have been able to do what you've done so far in your career in terms of the amount of the amount that you race, how you race, and the amount of work that goes into doing it the way you do it. So, what do you attribute your tenacity, hard headedness, whatever to? Where does that come from? Um, you know, when, when, uh, I guess the best way to say it is when I was young, I was taught to never give up and that nothing comes easy. So again, I may not always make the best decisions. I think I push so hard cause I'm afraid to fail. You know what I mean? And I know that we're close and if we quit, it'll never happen. And uh, drag racing is a, a crazy sport. What it'll do is it'll throw you a bone every once in a while when you get down and it'll make you keep going. Like, let's say you were having a, a point where you said, you know what, maybe this is too much. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. And then you'll have a weekend like this, and it's it's it gets you all screwed up, and you'll go crazy again. And and I think it's meant to be that way, you know? But um, I don't know where I, I got the, 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 I don't know, the drive to keep going even when things are really bad. It's a very admirable thing, and and again, I think it is the the most endearing quality that that our fans, when they think of you and and they watch you race and they come by the pits and and wish you well, I think that's what has them doing that because they look at somebody who, by all rights, is a pretty regular guy who has been able to do something for so many years that that's extraordinary. And you know, one of the things I think that that's happening in the sport of drag racing now is we're seeing. You know the humongous mega teams are seeing some changes there, and and really I think this sport is moving back toward more of a privateer, independent style sport that it was for so many years. Um, it's the way you've always done it, but it is it is a transition for some people to try to figure it out. It, it, it is, and you know um, when it comes down to fans, it's amazing the people out there, and we have an incredible fan base, and every race they come and see us and say hello and all this stuff, but. The reality of this is, is I'm just as screwed up as everybody else, probably worse. I'm the guy that you might call tomorrow and the phone's disconnected because my dumbass forgot to pay the bill. But that's real, and, and I think that people can relate to that. You know, not everybody always says it out loud, but the world's a tough place right now. Yeah. And I think people can relate to us more than some of the, the, the people or teams that don't have those struggles. And Again, I don't always do the right thing or make the right decision. I try. But I screw up a lot, and we keep trying to race. And, you know, there's more times than that throughout my career, people have said to me, you need to just stop and, and hang it up. You know, this ain't the right thing. And, you know, anytime you tell me I can't, well, then I do it more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I don't even know why that is. It's just the way the way it works out. But I'm hopeful that before my career has to end, I'd like to be able to do this at least once really right. Because I think if we had the resources, I could be a, a player with the with the big guys. I mean, we keep them honest, and they know we're here. Yep. But you know, in the heat of the day, Sunday afternoon, I couldn't run a three ninety seven. You know, I was trying to trying to run four hundred five, and even on the run against force, it knocked the belt off again. You know, but it's it that's all I had was a four hundred five. Now, if he screwed up, I was there. You know, and that's our job is to keep them honest until we can get to the next level. And let's talk a little bit about uh, your relationship. Fisher Body Shop has obviously been on the car in that prominent hood spot. Circle Circle Racing Wheels. Let's talk a little bit about that because that's a company I'm not sure a lot of people know about, and they uh, they've had the side of your body for a while. 
Well, Circle Racing is actually a really neat company, and they've been a, a sponsor on this car for 25 or 30 years from since, since my career started. The owner of the company, Circle Racing, was owned by Wheel Boutiques, Okay. and the owner of that company was my clutch guy, helped me forever. And, you know, he was like a dad to me, taught me so much stuff, you know, taught me when I was screwing up, yelled at me when I was doing dumb shit with money. And when I was just, you know, he, these guys guided me along. Well, about six months ago, Mike came to me and wanted me to take over Circle Racing Wheels. It was time for him to retire. So we actually bought the wheel business and moved it here to Texas. And we're building, you know, billet street rod, hot rod wheels, 69 Camaro wheels and, you know, like a rally wheel on a 20 inch rally. I don't oh, know if you've seen man. any of this stuff, but that's we make awesome. some some one-off stuff like if you've got a 70 chevelle super sport you want an ss wheel on it that looks like factory i make that wheel in a, in a billet in a 20 inch wheel it looks amazing but it makes your car look stock dang you know awesome. we, we, we make all kinds of stuff like that and, and it's amazing you know drag racing as hard as this has been has been very good to me i i live a great life and you know yeah it's tough but where else do you get to do the things we do and through racing, I met Mike, who is the owner of Circle Racing Wheels, and guys like Chip and all these people out there that, you know, have taught me and helped me make things work, and now we're, we're making wheels, and someday it's going to make a comfortable living as we learn it, you know what I mean? And maybe it'll help our racing program do a little better if I don't find that corporate sponsor. Man, that's great. But, that's a that's a neat story that uh, I was unaware of, that, uh, that, that's, that you're manufacturing those wheels now. That's, that's, that's wild. Yeah, we're we're making them. Uh, they're all American made, American aluminum. Everything's done here in Temple, Texas. It's it's a real neat opportunity, and it's also a monumental learning curve, and you know a lot lot of moving pieces. But it's it's cool, and I wouldn't have had these opportunities if it wasn't for is how hard I push in racing. I'm sure that was a factor when Mike came to me and said, "I want you to take this over," you know. But he also supported my car. If if you look back at pictures from 20 years ago. And look at every funny car I've ever had. You'll see a Wheel Antiques logo somewhere's on that car. Man, that's great. You know, that's cool. And, that's and long term, man, that's awesome. And, and like the the folks from Fisher Body Shops, they've helped us for a few years. They're an amazing group of people out of Missouri. They have body shops, but they're they're race fans. They're actually hardcore sprint car people. But they they kind of met us along the way somewhere's and started helping us. And you know, my my car is covered with little stickers of people pitching in when they can, and that's what keeps us going. That's great. And I guess last question I have for you before I let you go is, uh, you know, you mentioned Epping was kind of a last minute, thankfully a last minute decision you're able to execute on. Uh, what's the rest of the season looking like? Where are the, where are the, the, the shore bets and where are some of the iffy races for you? Well, we'll, we'll definitely be in Norwalk in a couple of weeks and, and here we go doing goofy stuff to justify what we're doing, you know. Norwalk was on the way with the truck coming home, so we're like, we'll just leave everything in Norwalk and get everybody home, and we'll go back. Um, but it's it's hard. We're always looking for sponsorship and trying to keep things going. But so we'll go to Norwalk, and then we're planning on doing the Western Swing for certain because that's I have my son for the summer, and he goes on the road with us, and uh, he's getting older now, and and you know at some point he's gonna be driving this car. He's doing a heck of a job, uh, social media wise. He's created some really nice video and stuff for you guys. He, I appreciate you saying that he's been doing videos and it, it's funny, you know, this is a stupid story that probably don't mean nothing, but I, 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 my son lives with his mom in California and I, for, since he was two years old, I go in a couple times a month and get my time with him and I get him for the summers. And you know, when he was younger, I used to worry, man, if something happened to me, is my kid going to be okay? And 
over the last couple of years to see what he's grown into and he's out there hustling and I mean, he's going to all these drivers, trying to get him to do videos with him. And then you see the stuff he produces. It, it, it's amazing. So I don't worry about him being okay if something happened anymore. And, and now in, in Houston, he was with us and we started putting him in that funny car for the warm ups. And, you know, he's, he's getting itch and maybe I'll never reach the success I want, but maybe we can give it to him. Nah, it's great, man. It's uh it's great. Was certainly a long time coming for you. The, the uh the success in epping and i look forward to uh checking out what you got up your sleeve for the rest of the season but terry haddock thanks for taking some time and congratulations on the wheel business and again congratulations on epping well thank you very much we appreciate you having us on i appreciate all the fans and all the stuff we're doing terry haddock is just one of those guys that provides i do really believe an inspiration to many others out there who want to do it and he shows that you can do it and you will bleed and you will sweat and you will gnash and you will have to struggle through it but it is it is possible to be done because terry haddock has given us that proof a company that has been deeply involved in the world of nhra drag racing since its inception effectively is jegs and jegs.com the next guest on this nhra insider podcast is all about that it's time to have a conversation with woody how you doing woody I'm doing great. Doing very good. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. And, you know, I was joking with somebody the other day when we were talking about your title, and I said being the director of motorsports at at Jags is like being the director of cheeseburgers at McDonald's. This is a very important job. (laughs) Well, the good thing is they're both yellow. (laughs) So... Um, it's a it's an interesting position you have, man, and I want to I want to talk about it. But uh, I, I guess I want I want to let people know how long you've been involved and how long you've been a part of literally like the Jags family. Well, I have uh, I've officially worked for Jags for uh, twenty three years, and before that, I uh, was in the insurance and investment planning business and uh, did some estate planning and and. Uh, and benefit design and Jegs was actually one of my larger, uh, health insurance clients. So I took care of all the group health insurance. So, um, you know, I've known Jake junior since he's been in, since we've been in sixth grade. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, his older brothers bought us beer when we were in college, in high school. So <laughs> it's kind of a, kind of a weird uh, working dynamic at times for, for uncle Woody. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've seen the business, seen the family grow and, you know, Jake senior has been a great mentor through the years. Um, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that really, really can break down complex situations into little simple tasks. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just a neat business. It's, it's, uh, the passion's real, the, the it's authentic and, uh, you know, it's a real family business. You know, those guys are there every day. Yeah, I mean, and and to kind of continue down the same road for people that are listening that that don't really maybe understand like what what does the director of media and motorsports do? Like, what are your primary functions? Just so people at home kind of understand where we're coming from in this conversation. Well, I would say if if uh, if you see the Jags logo in motorsports, typically it, it uh, at some point it's gone through my hands or or uh, seen it. Um, you know, we're pretty particular about what we do and where we do it um but whether it's racetracks whether it's uh series sponsors uh whether it's you know signage whether it's uh driver you know personal service contracts or or whatever i mean it's uh normally anything in motorsports i typically see it 
and uh, and then uh, and then we either do it or we don't. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, for the for the purposes of this audience, everybody knows the involvement that uh, Jake's has had in drag racing that dates back to I mean, Jake Senior racing at the Nationals in like 1958 or whatever the first year he raced at the yeah. Nationals was. I mean, it goes back to literally the origins of the sport. But Jake's is also deeply involved in stock car racing and and other forms of motorsports as well. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, um, we. Uh, kind of a funny thing we, we started sponsoring a uh, a demolition derby series <laughs> for the king of ohio and it actually uh i think it i think that it culminates uh july 4th weekend uh, in lima at the fairgrounds but but that's like one of those things that comes across your desk and i, and I think actually j3 jack jr's son is the one that started talking to him and uh and they really you know this group came to us because they, they, they know that people go through uh, pieces and parts and demolition, uh, demolition competition, which I, I think that's kind of cool, just saying that. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and that's, those are the kind of things that just you look at it and you say, hey, can we make an impact here? Can we, can we make this work financially? Meaning, you know, are yeah. we going to get, are we going to get sales out of this? When I was told that some of these demolition derby cars are $30,000 cars, it's, I was freaking blown away. It's serious, away. man. Yeah. Yeah, like ten grand to win an event. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I just pictured you going to a junkyard pick, picking up like the biggest Delta 88 or Crown Vic that you could find. And, you know, maybe if you're lucky, put some, put some concrete in the bumpers and, and call it a day, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that stuff's pretty neat. And it's, um, you know, the, the CRA series that we do with, uh, with the Midwest, um, asphalt, uh, stock car racing, late model racing. Um, you know, that really came out of, you know, GM's the one that came to us and said, Hey, you know, you guys sell more crate engines and more GM crate engines than anybody in the country. You're in the Midwest and, you know, we've got a series that's, that's likely kind of one of them's gone away. Another group wants to start one. And, you know, that was 12 years ago. And, and, you know, we kind of try and bring the professionalism up to anything that we're doing, you know, and, and, um, you know, because we want to, we want the racers to feel special when they win. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's, it's not about the money, you know, to, to us, it's more, somebody needs a cool trophy, you know, that needs to sit on a shelf that, that when they look at that thing, they're happy, but they see Jags and then they tell others. I mean, that's kind of the, the big picture stuff. You know, I, I always say that my job is to fill somebody's head with uh, pixels, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and dead pixels. So if I can tie any of those to your five senses, which is why motorsports work so well, I think you have a better chance of remembering us or remembering what we do, you know, because – Truthfully, we never really know when somebody's going to make a purchasing decision. You know, right. you, you just, you just want to be a part of it. You just want to have a chance at it. You yeah, know? you want to be in the conversation. Or you want yeah. to be in their in their consideration. And and I think you know it segues perfectly into the, into the kind of the next phase of this conversation. You mentioned you know supporting events or series and wanting to you know raise the professionalism, raise the prestige, raise the kind of level of distinguishment, if you will, to to win those things. And 
in the world of NHRA drag racing, the two great legacy events that Jags has been tied to for some time. Of course, the Jags All-Stars that I want to talk about first and the, the Jags Sports Nationals as well. But, you know, the Jags All-Stars, I think, is is a – I mean, it is, I would argue, Jags' signature event in, if not all of motorsports, certainly in drag racing. I would definitely agree with that. I would I would totally agree with that, you know, and that's – we're fortunate. Um, you know, obviously our – our first generation owner was uh, was actively involved in drag racing, obviously. And our second generation ownership, you know, John, Troy, Mike, and Jack Jr. They've they've all raced in in the what's called the Jags All Stars now, whether it's the TRW uh, All Stars or the Federal Mogul All Stars when it was at you know National Trail uh, Raceway, which is our home track. Um, you know. I guess we're, I, I guess I've kind of looked at it like we're at an advantage as a company that we've done it. So when you come back to a room full of, of, you know, four or five people and you're talking about this opportunity and how to make it better, the fact that we've been a driver, the fact that we've been, you know, a crew member, the fact that we've been a family member, the fact that we've been a sponsor, you know, you know, you look at all that. I mean, Mike, yeah, Mike's, Mike's, winner, Mike's yeah. on it, you know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's just like, you know, we try and, you know, the, the Jags All-Stars would not be where it is today if it wasn't for the racers and their help. Because plainly, you know, I go to most, all of the, um, all of the 80 competitors in the event, after the event, and, you know, whether it's an email, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a one-on-one, it's, hey, what are three things that you would not want to see change and what are three things that you would like to see changed and and the methodology of that number one is i don't want it to look you know turn into a so-called bitch session right you know let's make this constructive so we start with you know get the ball rolling with the good yeah <laughs> and then follow it up with what, what good ideas do you have and um you know some of the ideas that have happened you know through the years um Donnie Stratton used to race comp, you know, former world champ, and he got into Jags All-Stars. And at that time, your CIC could be hit. Yeah, you could be penalized. Yeah, you could be performance penalized. Yeah. Yeah, not just during the All-Stars, but it carried over to the event. So, I mean, he came to me and was like, and I've known him family friends for years with my my uh, my in laws, but he's like, man, I want you to have no idea how bad I want to win this, but I got a shot to win the world, and I I don't I don't want to mess up my index, you know. Yeah, and uh, and that kind of that really prompted us having that qualifying and comp changed for the All Stars for it to really stand on its own and not affect the event. So, with the idea being that you know we say in the rule book that the all-stars counts as qualifying. So since you can't hit your index in qualifying, well, well why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but that, you know, it took a couple years, you know, and, uh, and at the time, Graham light, he was great. At, you know, he was all for it once he understood it. And, uh, and they made that change, you know, you know, we added a double up bonus, you know, so that if you win the All-Stars in your class and you follow it up the next day at the national event and win the national event, we're going to write you another check. And uh, stuff like that's fun. You know, we 
everybody gets a participation trophy that's that um uh a friend of ours dan dreisbach um uh you know that he makes so i one of my favorite things to do during that event which i didn't get to do last year is be behind you know the uh oh be behind the pre-race stage yeah and and personally shake everybody's hand and tell them nice job, congratulations, good luck, you know, whatever. Because I, I really, you know, we want to be a one on, we want to have a one on one relationship with the racer, and it and it starts right then, you know. No, it so. does. I think you know that the, the entire aspect of of getting your team shirt, you know, we and obviously uh, the announcing staff fights over who gets to announce kind of which divisions guys, and um, and we have a lot of fun with it in the tower where you know there's always a pool going and there's always people needling each other about you know who's going to win what and who which division will be the best and which division will end up in the in the basement of that particular year's all stars. But to your point, it is. The event transcends just the day and a half or whatever, two days that it takes place at, at in within the national event. And that's what I think is most impressive about it, where it is not only this chase to try to qualify to be part of it, but then once it's all over, no matter how you did or how you fared, you have your team jersey. You know, you have a, a trophy that you've earned by qualifying to be part of it. And it is something that is you ask anybody who's ever been in it, whether they've been in it once or a hundred times it, they will all tell you it's like a career accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. Like Paige Coughlin, she got in, um, in super comp this last year. And I mean, that's the most geeked that she's been about going to her <laughs> rates ever. And I was just like, wow, right on. That's cool. You know? And I, and I kind of forget that stuff. You know, like Troy jr. Got in in, in alcohol dragster a couple of years ago. Um, simply because I think somebody blew up their stuff, somebody wrecked something <laughs> else, and he was like down the list. And when I got the call, they said, "Hey, by the way, uh, Troy's in." I'm like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute! We're sponsoring this race. You're going to have to really <laughs> explain this to me because I, I know for a fact somebody's going to say, "Oh, he just got in because you guys sponsored." So <laughs> yeah, there's no provisional here. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it's, you know, it's the camaraderie of it. That's really the, the, the real lifeblood of the event, you know, and, you know, having seven geographic divisions like NHRA does, um, you know, it kind of lends itself to a, uh, um, a rider cup format. It does. It does. And it's, and it's it's really, and like your point, you know, that the division directors are, you know, they're all poking each other when we're handing out the goodie boxes to all the racers, you know, because we all do this together on, I think, the night before the event or two days before the event. But, um, and just to see, you know, the, and just to see all the, you know, when we get down to the finals, you see everybody down in the starting line with the shirts on, and it is a genuine. It's a genuine celebration for whichever team pulls it off. It is a very genuine celebration of people that normally don't have the opportunity to be part. You know, you're always part of a team in racing, but normally it's your family or normally it's, you know, some buddies that you've been racing with for 100 years. But in this situation, it, it transcends all of that. So it is a just a unique, really cool thing to see racers from all these different categories from the same area cheering each other on, which they never get to do. Yeah, the, the, the probably one of the biggest changes that we made that, you know, years ago we used to do the, let's see, the event was on Saturday. So we would do a, you know, a celebration barbecue at the end of the race. Well, we learned after, after one year that, ah, that's not a really good time. 
you know, just because it's like, you know, the the alcohol guys are all, you know, they're up first the next day. Yep. So they, you know, they're all trying to fix their stuff, make it faster, make, do the maintenance, which takes longer than really any of the supercars. Um, so, you know, I, I think we just said, you know, let's do it Friday night before the event. Everybody's tied for first. Everybody will be there. You know, let's have it be a kickoff rather than a celebration. And then those that want to celebrate can celebrate. So yeah. and that, that, that's worked out very well. And, you know, for, for as many times as, as we got kicked in the teeth in 2020, having the event moved to the U.S. Nationals and having it, you're running it there. And this is definitely not just, I'm not saying anything negative about Chicago. Chicago's not an option. We yeah. literally can't go there. But yeah. nothing felt better than having that event at the U.S. Nationals. And the fact that that is going to continue makes all the sense in the world. I mean, it really yeah. does make all the sense in the world. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, that's always kind of been a dream, you know, like, you know, when you go through this, it's like, what, like I said, you know, what can you make better? And I've always thought, man, Indy's where this needs to be. Indy's where it needs to be, you know, um, you know, but I also think, you know, feel that, you know, every class in the NHRA should race at Indy. Agree. I'm with you on that a hundred percent. I mean, the snowmobiles, I'm not a big fan of them. I love the noise, but, you know, <laughs> they, they, you know, they should be there. You know, if this is our deal, this is, this is, uh, this is our pinnacle, then everybody that's involved in that triangle needs to be involved. So, um, I was thoroughly amazed that Super Street had never raced at the U.S. Nationals until last year. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that a lot of people don't know that Super Street had never been run at Indy until, until 2020. So, and I, and I, and I remember telling Glenn and Evan that, Hey, you know, that this is great. This is at Indy and now it's staying here. It ain't moving. Just, well, <laughs> it might, you know, I'm like, Nope, uh-uh. well, you're going to have to pull this thing out of my hands. <laughs> it's staying here. <laughs> so, and the, you know, the second thing about 2020 that, uh, that Jake stepped up huge on was uh, adding a second sports nationals last year, um, to the new England region and my home track at new England dragway, where we just ran the national event. It was, uh, certainly everybody in that area was so thankful for it because one, uh, the, the ability to say you've won a Jake sports nationals and two, the fact that, you know, they were basically the well had run pretty much dry for the, for that entire region for national events last year with all the stuff that was going on. So when it was announced that, that there would be a Jake sports nationals in Epping, I know that, uh, a lot of people were very thankful for that. Yeah, no. And that was a great event. Um, you know, obviously, uh, a very fluid time in planning. Um, but, uh, but a great event, very, everybody was really happy that, that, uh, that the event happened. And then they were very happy that Jeg's name was on it. So, or, uh, the Jeg's name. So that, you know, and I love that area. If I can ever eat, have an excuse to have lobster, um, <laughs> lo- lobster rolls, I'm game. I mean, I had my last one right before I got on the plane. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And uh, there's been great updates at National Trail Raceway where the Jake Sports Nationals will be held again this year. Um, the grandstands they just put in are beautiful. Oh, I went out. I went out there yesterday and met with Jay, and and uh, you know they had a on my way home um, up to Northern Ohio, so I kind of did a big loop yesterday. But the um, yeah, it looks awesome. I mean, it, it just you know. Some of the advanced, you know, Jay, Jay Livingston and, and, 
and JJ, they just, they really put their heart and soul into that racetrack. And it has been a breath of fresh air to see the, you know, the improvements that they've made, you know, knowing, you know, Jay, Jay and I talk probably at least once a month and updates me on his vision and how it's going for the track. And, you know, he's, uh, He's definitely getting it done. Yeah, you I mean know, the place is the, the place yeah. is in better condition than it has been in 25 years. I mean it's it's yeah. it's like it's yeah. been re- it's like been reborn. Yeah, and I know that they uh, having the street outlaws event that they had there, and they had a no prep event. I mean these things I've never seen stands that full at that track since since the uh, national event was there. So I'm really excited to see those guys have a healthy year. Uh, you know, and in the winter, they're they're going to do a light show that you can drive through. And oh, nice! It's an amazing revenue generator for them. Um, so that so I think you'll see a lot more improvements even next year with, you know, maybe maybe hopes of a uh, national event down the road. So I'll tell um, you, they're they're doing all the they're doing everything the right way in terms of every photo I've seen and everybody that's been there recently has been just blown away by by the experience that they're having now versus what they would have had five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. It's just, uh, it's like going to a new racetrack is what pretty much everybody that's been there recently has told me. It totally is. Like we go back and test. So there was, there was about a span of five years when we wouldn't even go test there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's our closest track, you know, just cause it just, we're not learning anything. It wasn't, it wasn't really taken care of, uh, to the level that it should have been, but, but it is now and racers are happy and you know, that's all, that's always a good thing. One of the things I want to, I want to go over with you before we, uh, before we let you go back to work and, you know, make a living and continue your, you know, full immersion life in motorsports is the fact (laughs) that the job you have, the position you have kind of in the industry is, is interesting. And, you're, you're a guy who's not afraid to kind of stand up for what you think is right. You're not you're a guy who's not afraid to stand up for what you believe is in the best interest of, of not just the company, but also of the entire sport. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I think I think it's very important that we have in drag racing and stock car racing, whatever type of motorsport you want, have people that are sometimes unwilling to accept the status quo, which is definitely uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, you know, I, I, I try and look at, I, a lot of me looks at life, looks at racing as a stage, a stage you get to control. And in, in my eyes, there's only two things that you can control in racing, how prepared you are and your attitude, period. Those are the only two things that you have any control over, you know? So I try and look at situations like that. If I, you know, I'm not the type of person that just complains or brings up something negative without a solution. You know, I mean, I had a, had an instance last year where, you know, I wasn't very excited about some instant, an instance in St. Louis um, that was a track, you know, something that happened to the track. And, you know, long story short, you know, I basically made a rule, wrote a rule and gave it to NHRA. I'm sure they didn't do anything with it. <laughs> But I just wanted to make sure that I practice what I preach. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, um, you know, I don't I don't like making waves. We don't like making waves as a company, but we want to be constructive and make things better for, for uh, 
for who's after us. You know, and I think it's important to be a good steward of the sport. Uh, that's very important to the family. It's very important to Jags. Um, you know, drag racing has been very, very good to the Coughlin family. And not to mention the hundreds and thousands of people that have worked at Jags. Um, so, you know, you, you just want to see all that stuff continue. Now, yeah, I, I agree. You know, I saw what, what many considered to be the heyday, you know, back in the Winston days when the, everything was packed and this and that. Well, you know, when you've seen that, you kind of have that in the back of your head, like it can be like that again. Yeah. You know, let's get it like that. Let's work toward that. No, you know, it's not 10 decisions that are going to make the difference in this. It's hundreds and hundreds of decisions that you need to make 1%, 5%, 10% better, not 10 decisions that need to be a hundred percent better. You know, it's, you know, it's just, just kind of all tides rise. And I think, you know, pro stock, I think is, you know, you look at that class, you know, there were plenty of people that wanted to write that class off a couple of years ago. Oh my God. You're hundred percent um, right. Yes. And, you know, Richard, myself, Greg Anderson, you know, among others kind of came together and said, Hey, we, we got to get on the same page here, you know? And that's, that's really what did it, you know? Different teams, like, you know, different lease um, lease houses, whether it was KB, whether it was Elite, whether it was uh, McGay Hayes, you know, we all had to figure out, okay, you know, the cost of entry here is, a, is an obstacle. What can we do to make this more attractive to somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's and that's kind of the approach that, that we all went with. Um, and lo and behold, it's worked spectacularly. You know, I mean, yeah. we, we, we no longer have conversations about wondering where the pro stock cars are because we're averaging about 20 to 22 of them a race. Yeah, and having the younger younger group, yeah. um, you know, to me is just awesome because, and I, I, this probably dates me, but, I mean, I look at, when I see Troy Jr., I remember him, you know, asking me for scooter rides, you know, like (laughs) through the years and, and then Chris McGahey's son Mason, you know, always seeing him at the track and, you know, you see, um, you know, Cody Anderson, he's always been around the track and, you know, these kids all, I mean, I have pictures of them in my office, all playing. Yeah. Like at at Reading, I'm looking at one now that has like, you know, they got a baseball bat and and a, thing of tape wadded all up you know some yeah. ISD tape and and they're in the pit area freaking swinging you know that that's how <laughs> these guys grew up you know come to the race to support their family and it's only natural that they were bit by the bug too yeah. you know yeah and, no and uh, it was uh when mason and, and aaron uh stanfield raced at epping just a few days ago it was really cool because uh, you know we made the joke on the tv show we could add both their ages up and we still don't get to one greg anderson with these two kids and, <laughs> and, and, and that's exactly what we need and we need that we need that in spades everywhere else to go yeah yeah and i think you know i know greg and i've talked uh talked a couple times this year just you know about that specifically just being a good steward and and making sure that these kids have you know if if they do something wrong i mean that most of them don't mind if you hey you know might have might have wanted to consider doing this or might have wanted to look at doing it this way or or whatever and you know there were people that did that for jag there were people that did that for greg you know through the years i mean i i remember erica when she 
just got started, you know, and how bad she was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm talking bad, <laughs> you know, and now she's bad. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, now she's bad in the best possible way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's really cool. Um, you know, it's I tell people all the time racing is competitive problem solving. You know, yep, really is. And the, the people that the people that are involved in racing, you know, and I think this is why entrepreneurs and business owners are so drawn to racing is, you know, they're used to solving problems Monday through Friday, you know, and they're wired that way. You don't turn that off on the weekend if you're a very competitive person. You know, you just don't. That's part of who you are, and and I think that's why racing lends itself to. Two entrepreneurs, two competitive people, you know, two perfectionists, you know, whether you're working on the car or driving the car, I mean, you know, we all start, we're all tied for first when we throw us through the gate, yes. you know, <laughs> our job is to stay there, you know, <laughs> and very, very rarely do you stay there, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's more like a yo-yo, a constant yo-yo every 20 minutes, you know, but, um, but it's fun, you know, I mean, you get a, you get a, I would assume that driving some of the cars is is quite an adrenaline rush. You know, I mean, look at Karen Massini's. I mean, yeah, absolutely. common sense would tell you somebody X years old <laughs> uh, probably doesn't have as good a hand-eye coordination as somebody that's 40 or 35 <laughs> right. or 20, you know. But the guy's got, you know, a million laps under his belt, belt you know. Um but he obviously still got something out of that that wanted that got him to keep getting back in the car, you know. Yeah, it was uh, the very pure love of the sport, and then you know, obviously Chris is uh, Chris is coming right behind him, and and the, that love of the sport is uh, very evident with her as well. And oh, it's fun to just watch. seeing her light up with her first round win was just like you know. It was almost like she won the championship. It really was. It was great. She was and that it's like, excited. And I feel like sometimes people we, want to see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, sometimes we need those reminders that it, it is okay to be really excited and happy when something happens. You know, I think sometimes yeah. we do something long enough and it's like, uh, I don't want to look like this is my first time doing this. No, no, no. Please do. By all means. People yeah. love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, go, go look at the Indy 500 this year. I mean, the last 15 minutes. Of the show, seven million people. I, watching. Yeah, I mean, it just it just went to the moon. Well, and then it continued because you know Helio is he, who he is. You know, I mean, he's exciting. He's dramatic. He's energizing. He's you know he's he's showing his emotion, and that's uh, you know when you can watch an event, be at an event, and end on a moment like that. Yeah. I don't know how you don't smile walking out to the car or getting up from the couch. You yeah, know? it was the, literally the best possible result for that race and certainly the best possible result for the ending and the, the finish and the celebration was just uh, all time. It'll be it'll be spoken and written about and talked about and the video will be played for the next 50 years because it was such a uh, kind of a signature moment. Woody, thank you so much for taking some time today to, to, to let people inside the world of, of what you do and, and how you do it and uh, kind of Jake's involvement in the sport of NHRA drag racing on pretty much every single level. So I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you in the Buckeye state at the, uh, at the, at Norwalk in just a couple weeks. Sounds great. Have a good day. Thanks, Thanks for having me. All right.
And so there it is, another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Certainly appreciate you listening as we continue to prepare for the Summit Racing Equipment NHRA Nationals to be held at Summit Racing Equipment Motorsports Park in Norwalk, Ohio. Going to be a lot of fun with big fields, big crowds, and big excitement. We'll be back next week to talk more about that upcoming race, talk to some of the folks who'll be involved, and tell you some of the stories from the world of Camping World and Lucas Oil Drag Racing, as well as the E3 Spark Plugs Pro Modified category, which will also be contested in Norwalk, along with the Pro Stock bikes the alcohol cars and everything else norwalk will be monster sized so if you're thinking about going get a ticket now because well frankly this thing could sell out and if it does it is going to be a long time getting out of the racetrack on friday and saturday night i can promise you that but frankly when that happens it always makes me smile because i know we have a great crowd thanks for listening to the nhra insider podcast i'm brian loans and we'll be back right here again next week